You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking to William J. Cole. He's author of The Big 100, The New World of Super Aging. Uh, he is journalist par excellence. Uh, in fact, he recently retired as New England editor for the Associated Press. He's been all over the world, North America, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Uh, and in 2022, became a fellow in aging journalism at Columbia University. Wow, that's an interesting fellowship. Uh, so he's also... <laughs> I am uh, an aging journalist. Right. I mean, I did. Uh, if, if I went back to school, would I get a... Would, could I have a, a become a fellow in aging medicine just because I'm aging? No. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, be a so, so, so there's actually is a, a program that focuses on what aspects of aging that pertain to journalism at Columbia? Lots of, uh, of the social fallout. Uh, so when I was uh, there, we, a, big, a big focus of the fellowship was uh, caregiving and, mm -hmm. and the caregiving crisis that we face in, in the United States. This is a fellowship for journalists who cover issues around aging, and it's run by Columbia University's uh, Robert Butler um, Health Center. And uh, it's a it's a fantastic uh, grouping of journalists right across the spectrum. And uh, yeah, I also uh, was able to uh, be part of a fellowship uh, run by the National Press Foundation in Washington. Similar idea around uh, aging and, and the ma very many uh, issues that it raises for our society. Well, you know, as you're a fellow baby boomer and you know uh, the song My Generation, and one of the lyrics from uh, My Generation that resonates for us baby boomer who managed to uh, transcend that uh, scary boundary of uh, age 60 is, hope I die before I get old. Well, what happens if you don't die before you get old? And uh, all of a sudden there's uh, uh, tens and tens of millions of us uh, who may need more medical care, who may need uh, actually, you know, nursing care. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a big societal challenge. There's not enough uh, young Absolutely. people to support that. There's not even a tax base that's big enough to support, what, 77 million baby boomers who are retiring and aging? That's right. You know, I mean, Social Security and Medicare are already straining at the seams. And, you know, in just 10 years from now, uh, the trust funds that underpin Social Security will be depleted and uh, not completely, but, you know, enough that 
if nothing is done, uh, you know, a huge cut in benefits will have to be imposed. Uh, I don't see that happening. I think that's a political third rail. Yep. But, you know, why isn't Congress addressing it now? I mean, are we going to wait till the last minute on this? Because this is a big deal. We have 40 percent of uh, retirees in the United States who are living only on Social Security. Mm. And that the, the median check is in the neighborhood of seventeen hundred dollars a month. So that's already elder poverty, if you ask me. Uh, and. That'll, that'll barely get you 17 trips to the grocery because uh, these days my grocery bills are rarely uh, under three digits. <laughs> Absolutely. They're, they're, they're never under it for me. But, you know, yeah, it's it's a real challenge. And I think, you know, elder poverty is is top of mind here when we contemplate living to 100 in large numbers. You know, the first question that comes to mind is, where am I going to find enough money to pay a century's worth of bills? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it actually it, it came to me recently because, uh, you know, I met with a financial planner, you know, I have some savings. And, you know, one of the things they ask you is, well, how long do you think you're going to live? And I go, how the heck do I know? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> right. but, I, but, you know, they, they said, well, you know, you're pretty darn healthy. And then they looked some things up on an actuarial table. And uh, I've done that, too. And it said something like, you know, 94. <laughs> and so they, you know, so sometimes when I, I jokingly uh, want to reassure my patients that are good in health, I say to them, gee, I hope you have a lot of money saved up because you're going to live for a really long time. Absolutely. And it's a it's a big concern, you know, and uh, we need to sort of, you know, open our eyes to this issue. I mean, there, there are a lot of under-resourced people in our country. We have a, an enormous inequity. And, uh, you know, some people will be just fine. Mm-hmm. Some people, by the way, will be able to continue working and they certainly will not stop at 65 or 67 or maybe even 70. Because if, if you're going to live to 100, 105, why would you stop working then? Uh, and, and some may have to work, but, uh, you know, not everyone works the same way. <laughs> you know, that some of us can continue in our jobs and or consult or do different mm-hmm. things, even start a business. Others are really going to have to, uh, you know, uh, get a job at McDonald's or, right. or something. So like, if you're like a welder or a plumber or, you know, somebody working as a you know, longshoreman or something, uh, you know, your your working uh, lifespan is dictated by your physical capacities. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a reflection in your book, and I think it, it, it sounds like it's a little bit personal because you sound like a guy who's very, very engaged professionally um, about this, this, this decision that one sometimes has to make. You know, should I retire? Should I not retire? What are the statistics saying about the impact of retirement on longevity? And you have some interesting examples of people who just, they just don't quit. They just keep on trucking. Well, it's, you know, the research is more around a sense of purpose and not specifically retirement per se, (laughs) but they kind of go hand in hand. And certainly, um, you know, researchers have drawn a a direct link between longevity and uh, a reason for living, you know, a reason for getting up in the morning and, uh, and that could be volunteering. It not, might not necessarily have anything to do with making money, but uh, centenarians who are su- successful, and by that I mean, you know, happy and healthy in their hundreds, 
tend to have this in common. They they are they enjoy life. They they have purpose. Even if the purpose is just to sort of spend time, you know, extra bonus years with the ones they love. Uh, they're not dreading life and they're not just hanging on. They're mm -hmm. actually flourishing. I think, you know, one of the, the consequences, uh, and especially it's been accelerated because of COVID and lockdown, uh, is uh, social isolation. And then, of course, we have, you know, uh, social media, uh, which permits us to, you know, stay in touch, but not be in touch. You know, it's sort of touchless contact. Right. Um, and the fragmentation that that causes. And also, you know, the fact that, uh, uh, you know, the breakdown of the nuclear family, the extended family and so on. And we're seeing a lot of what is considered the new smoking, which is loneliness. Loneliness is the new smoking. And that's affects aging people. You know, the, the, the Surgeon General just declared loneliness a public health crisis. Wow. And, the, the, you know, the National Institute on Aging is the one that actually said that it's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day, which is almost a pack, you know, I mean, and, you know, obviously, by the way, if 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 your listeners don't know already, and hopefully they do, smoking is a big no, no, you know, and if if you're still smoking, for God's sake, you know, get help to quit. It, it's probably not too late and, and you're or it may not be too late and you the body has an enormous ability to repair itself. Uh, in the book, you, you actually uh, somewhat take issue with this popular notion of the blue zones, you know, these places in the world, these pristine Shangri-La-like places where people have uh, wonderful, uh, healthy lives. They exercise, they eat pure foods, they have wonderful social interactions, they're free of pollution. But uh, it, it, it's a, are you trying to intimate that it's, it's a little bit hyped up? Well, yeah, it, you know, uh, it's not just... Uh, I'm not the only one who's saying this. The Economist, by the way, just had an interesting piece uh, taking issue with what exactly is going on in the blue zones. Uh, so there is some evidence to suggest that the the, the record keeping is a little sloppy uh, in the blue zones. Uh, there are in some of the blue zones literacy rates are not really high, and uh, there are people who you know are a little unclear about how old they are. Uh, right. People just people tend to lie about their age anyway. I don't mean to disparage, you know, the the blue zones. I think we can learn a tremendous amount from the blue zones. They they do produce a population that's much healthier than most populations, and and uh, you know a much more vibrant and healthy uh, population of non Nigerians, people who are living in their nineties. Whether they actually have significantly more hundred-year-olds is definitely up for debate. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of, of, of record-keeping or a matter of, you know, sort of creating a, an aura around the blue zones that maybe isn't quite deserved. Well, you know, the, you know, the, the new Netflix documentary is fascinating and really uh, interesting. But, you know, it's... Uh, it, it examines, you know, diet and, and a lot of other things that the Blue Zone residents have in common. But they almost completely ignore the genetics piece, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so, you know, I mean, look, we cannot ignore that uh, as much right. as we So, like I mean, to. for example, there are certain populations within, you know, like highly intermarried populations within Sicily and uh, mountainous parts of Italy where they have an extraordinary high HDL. They actually study these populations. HDL is a protective factor against cardiovascular disease. 
And so right. maybe, just maybe, uh, it's a little bit the luck of the draw and not necessarily a merit system for these people. You know, that's possible. Uh, you know, I mean, Dr. Tom Pearls at the New England Centenarian Study. Which Who you've is interviewed largest, extensively for the book, by the way. There's yes, a nice chapter yeah. on him. Yeah. He's a, he's a wonderful guy uh, and, you know, a, a foremost authority on people living to these ages. Uh, and, in fact, it's an interesting thing. There are so many centenarians uh, now that uh, up until recently, he had to tell people, uh, he had to turn them away if they weren't at least 103. Huh. And he told me, you know, these are not people who are used to being told you're too young. Right. That's like <laughs> but, that's like being you know. carded, you know, like at the at the movie theater. <laughs> like, nah, you're not a senior citizen. You know, right. you, you have to pay full freight. Um, but Tom, Tom, uh, Tom has found that, you know, uh, centenarians occur in a remarkably stable ratio of one in 5,000 around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't hold perfectly, you know, but. Uh, you know, it, that, that's sort of how they occur. And that is a testament to the genetics piece. Well, that being said, the but there's the not one, just one gene. It's not just like one or two or three genes. It's it's a complex. It's a, you mentioned like over 100. He's identified over 100 genes that together are associated with uh, longevity. So it, it takes machine learning and AI perhaps to to kind of decipher that pattern that is the ideal pattern. Absolutely. In fact, I think it's well, it was 281 genetic oh, wow. markers okay. mm -hmm. that they had identified, and he thinks that there are, could actually be 500 uh, at play. You know, they're still trying to sort of decode this, if you will. But yeah, it's you know, I, I think that you know, I, people will often say, "Should I move to a blue zone?" You know, and uh, you know, my response is, "If you do, pack your genes," and <laughs> I don't mean the the denim variety. Right. You know? Right. That's a good one. Uh, you also mentioned, and uh, you uh, highlight the information about your blood type uh, in talking about uh, the role of hope and optimism. You say that your blood type is B positive. So kudos to you, B positive. Uh, but that uh, <laughs> mental attitude is very important in terms of uh, attaining longevity. What, what does the research tell you? Yeah, the research is astonishing. That, that was really a surprise for me uh, that that uh, positivity actually can add years to our lives. There was a, a one study at Yale that suggested that it could add as much as seven and a half years. Hmm. So, you know, we, we tend to divorce our uh, our physiology from our psychology. But, you know, all these things work together. Uh, yeah, I, I, conversely, for example, not to go too far off topic, but I remember when I was a foreign correspondent uh, covering Eastern Europe for uh, almost a decade and was in Romania quite often. They wow. After the collapse of communism, they had place. those horrible. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. They had those uh, orphanages, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and and these poor uh, orphans were often, you know, neglected and isolated and and they there was you know failure to thrive i mean they they would die because they didn't have you know human contact i mean there's a there's a real scientific value in 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 having a positive outlook and having social connections and in looking on the bright side which is something that many centenarians seem to have in common right and uh, i think that that's an important element of this. 
So uh, you mentioned also that there are some ways that people can evaluate their uh, longevity potential, you know, not merely by going to uh, Dr. Pearl's laboratory and undergoing extensive genetic profiling, but uh, simply by doing, uh, you know, there are even some apps out there which, which offer checklists, which tell you if uh, some of the things you're doing are getting in your way of uh, achieving a long life or whether uh, you uh, actually have the potential. There, yes, uh, and uh, Tom Pearls has an interesting calculator uh, on his website, livingto100.com, uh, that is quite interesting. They, you know, it, it asks you many, many dozens of questions about your diet and exercise and sun exposure um, habits. Sun exposure, by the way, uh, is one we don't talk about very often, but mm -hmm. it's very significant. Uh, in terms of longevity. We're told so much to but, avoid the sun, you know, like slather on well, sunscreen and, and use sun protective clothing. But it turns out not so much. Well, no, I mean, I think that, you know, people tend to overdo it. And, you know, it, they, it, it, you know, there are all kinds of melanomas and cancers that can occur. And so sun exposure tends to, uh, you know, <laughs> like everything else needs to be in moderation. But the calculator will ask you those things. And of course, it will ask you about your alcohol intake, your smoking history, uh, your your sleep hygiene. This is another one we don't talk about. And it's something that the people in the blue zones have mastered well. And that is good sleep hygiene, mm -hmm. good sleep habits. Uh, gives our bodies and our brains a chance to repair themselves. And, uh, and, yeah. and when it comes to, I know that you're, you're an athlete, you're a marathoner. Uh, a runner. Uh, but what's interesting is that uh, the pattern uh, for people who uh, survive well into their hundreds is not so much that they, you know, are athletes per se, but they're engaged in constant movement. It's functional yes. daily activities movement and not you know, someone who, you know, is 105 who lives in the Balkans might uh, scoff at us, uh, you know, aging baby boomers who don track shorts and sneakers and go running around uh, <laughs> they, because they have to their daily tasks. You know, they have to go up and down, uh, you know, mountainous uh, hillsides and, and fetch water, uh, you know, or, you know, go into the fields and help their uh, kinfolk. Uh, so it's not so much hitting the gym, it's actually just daily activity. Yes, and again, a, a wonderful uh, lesson from the Blue Zones, uh, you know, that people tend to move naturally through their environments. And in that way, they, you know, they, they get fresh air, they exercise, they elevate their heart rate a little bit and have a cardiovascular benefit. So not in the way that is, not, not in the way I do it, but running a 20 mile run on a Saturday and, you know, uh, you know, so I think this is a more healthy, uh, approach and, and with less wear and tear on, on the body and Indeed. on the joints. So, so I guess the take home message is that, uh, you know, we better, uh, gird ourselves for this because, uh, we are entering, uh, as the subtitle of your book suggests, a new world of super aging. Uh, there are going to be more and more people who are uh, super agers, uh, people in their 90s and in their hundreds and beyond. Uh, and as a society, uh, we need to prepare for it. So uh, we do. Yeah. Hopefully you're getting the word out. And, you know, do you have any uh, sway among do you talk to uh, politicians and academicians who are sounding the alarm? Hopefully readers will do that. Uh, you know, yes, I, I think people are beginning to wake up to this reality 
uh, you know, it's tempting to look at the dark side of, of all this, and, and it's sobering. But I see uh, both bleakness and brightness, and it kind of depends on how what we do now in these years before this the, the full wave hits. Uh, we need to sort of, in some ways, reverse engineer our society to accommodate an older population. And if we do that, you know, uh, then, you know, think about extra, an extra bonus decade or more to create, to contribute, to make podcasts, to write books, to hang out with our great, great, great grandchildren. I like that. Yeah, that's a very exciting uh, prospect. So let's turn it into a plus. Uh, with uh, many of the suggestions that you make in The Big 100, The New World of Super Aging. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. William Cole, and thanks for writing such an entertaining uh, introduction to this subject. And the book is uh, now on sale, uh, so this interview is timely. It's just been released, and I recommend it highly. Thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's my honor. Thanks so much for having me on. May you live to 100, Oh, thank you so much. And then, and by the way, that is uh, that is a uh, common um, uh, toast, you know. In, yes. Uh, it's it's in the I know it is in the Jewish religion, uh, and it probably is in a lot of different uh, you know ethnicities. So thank you very much, and back at you, and happy That's trails right. in your in your running career. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything Intelligent Medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. 